0: Charlotte Sinna. Anybody know her? Probably not. I mean, she lives nearly 2,000 miles from here. Most of you probably don't even recognize her name, let alone know her personally. I mean there's a lot of people in our nation there's a lot of people in our nation between San Antonio and upstate New York after all she, she's not she's not your daughter she's not your granddaughter she's not your niece she's not one of your children's friends Uh, A lot of parents, particularly dads, we struggle knowing the names of our children's friends. Charlotte Senna is a nine-year-old little girl from just outside of Albany, New York. And last weekend, she and her parents, they went camping at a nearby state park literally 15 minutes from where they live that's like setting up the tent in your own backyard after they got to camp and set up their campsite they decided to go for a bike ride as a family just riding around the state park after some time they all headed back to their camp it was time for their parents to start her parents to start working on dinner and charlotte asked if she could just take one more loop around if you've ever been to most public campsites they're they're built around loops you have loop a loop b loop c where people set up tents on the inside or outside of a one-way street you might go to a park and The loops are named after trees there's the aspen loop there's the chestnut loop there's the maple loop charlotte and her family were camped on loop a and she just wanted to take one more loop you can almost hear her parents say sure but come right back because we're about ready to eat dinner be careful we'll see you in a few minutes After about 15 minutes, Charlotte hadn't returned. Not concerned, really. Her parents just went out looking for her. Maybe maybe she had a flat tire. Maybe she had fallen off her bike and skinned her knees and her elbows. Maybe she had stopped to talk to some other children there in the park. They didn't look for long. They found Charlotte's bike. It was sitting in the street with the kickstand down. Immediately her mom called 911. Within about 15 minutes, local policemen showed up. Did a quick search of the area, decided it was possible that Charlotte had been abducted. And within the hour, Over a hundred law enforcement personnel had been mobilized for a search and rescue mission. We're talking policemen, sheriffs, firefighters, helicopters, drones, boats, bloodhounds, scuba divers, forensic specialists, all the necessary personnel to facilitate a full-fledged search and rescue mission by saturday over 400 additional volunteers had stepped up to help search for charlotte every parent's absolute worst nightmare thankfully Monday evening of this week, this past week Charlotte was found her abductor was arrested and she was brought home now here's what I'm absolutely sure of that if any of you had been in that state park last weekend you would have immediately stepped in to help find Charlotte even though you might not have known her you would have been more than willing to do anything you could to help her parents because you would have recognized down in the pit of your stomach what that must feel like your heart would have gone out to that little girl you would have given anything to help find her she was not your daughter she was not your granddaughter she was not your niece but you could understand and appreciate that she was somebody's child and out of compassion and out of concern you would have offered anything that you could have given to help find charlotte And that right there, that willingness to do anything that you could do to help find that missing little girl, that right there is just a little glimpse into the heart of Jesus. Because if you get that, then you're starting to get him In one of the most succinct verses in all of the Bible about the life of Jesus, we read this The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. The entire reason that Jesus came to this earth from heaven was to search for a missing child, trillions of them, in fact. One of them was you. One of them was me. But why? Why would he do that? Why did he do that? Actually a couple reasons. Theologically speaking, the reason that he did that is because it's the very character of God. The very nature of God is that he is a helper. It's what he does. Very interesting passage, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi in the first century. He writes this to the early Christians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. Nothing. But rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's not to say you can't value yourself. But don't only value yourself. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests. But each of you looking to the interest of others. And then watch this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Of Jesus, who being in very nature God, important line, Jesus was everything that God is down to the very nature of all that he was. It wasn't something he pretended to be. It wasn't something he put on. It was his nature. He was fully God. In the very nature of God. He did not consider equality with God. Though he had it. He did not consider it something to be used to his advantage. And he could have. But rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. being made in human likeness this word nature of a servant the word nature here is the very same word as the nature here jesus who was god he comes to this earth and he takes on the nature of a servant he takes on the everything that makes up the life of a servant it wasn't something he put on he put on human likeness But he took the nature of a servant. So why did Jesus come to seek and to save the lost? It's his nature. It's who he is. It's how he is. It's everything that he is. He is a helper. Does that make sense? But the gospels reveal another reason of why Jesus came to this earth on a search and rescue mission. I'm going to show you a couple of verses that highlight this other reason. This is just a few of the many that I could take you to. We read this one. This one's popular. It's familiar. And I don't know that we really grasp it because it's so familiar. But it says this, For God so loved the world... And really, the way that you would read that, if you understood the language that's being used there, is for God so loved the world. The world was his daughters and his granddaughters and his nieces and his nephews and his sons and his grandsons. They were. They were family. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. He sent his son to save, to rescue, to help find the world through Jesus. So loved the world. We read about this account in uh, the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving the city of Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, we have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked the two blind men and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and he called them. What what do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Can you make us see? And Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they began to follow him. Another instance, Luke, the gospel writer tells us this, soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the bier that they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother his heart went out to her read this they were all filled with awe and praise God a, a great prophet has appeared among us they said God God has come to what to help why because it's his nature the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country Matthew tells us this, that Jesus left there, and he went along the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. And great crowds came, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And the people were amazed what they saw, the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to them. And he says, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. I have compassion for these people. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he, what? He had compassion on them and he healed their sick. You starting to see a pattern? Matthew 9, we read this, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because when he looked at them, what he saw was they were harassed. They were helpless. They were were like sheep wandering around in the desert without a shepherd to care for them. And he said to his disciples guys look the harvest is plentiful but the number of hands in the field the workers are few ask the lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field so we see something about the life of jesus in these passages we see this that everywhere jesus went and everybody jesus saw was met with a heart of compassion that moved him to help. Did you follow that? No sleight of hand, right? No gymnastics there. It was just case after case after case where Jesus saw people in need. His heart was moved with compassion and he did something to help. Did you see that? This... Is an essential expression of what it means to be a disciple of jesus not not like an option not like an alternative it's essential to what it means to be a christian and that is to have a heart of compassion that moves us to help jesus made it very clear to his disciples in the first century he said this jesus called the disciples together and he said "Um, you guys you know You know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles, they like to exercise their authority over people, lord it over them. Their high officials exercise the authority they've been granted with their title. This line right here. Not so with you. You're going to be one of my disciples. We're not going to do it that way. I don't care what position you hold. I don't care what title you have. This is not how we behave. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Why? Because even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but he came to serve And to give his life as a ransom to go to any extreme to do whatever was necessary for people in need. So so we just see this principle over and over again in the life of Jesus. Jesus had compassion for people that moved him to help. Okay, so part of Learning to study the Bible as you observe a principle and you make the connection to us living in the 21st century. So Jesus had compassion for people that moved him to help. I, if I am to be a disciple of Jesus, I too must have compassion that moves me to help people. It is our calling as Christians. So it's interesting, Jesus talked a lot about helping people, but we don't recognize it because he didn't use that word. He didn't use the word help. He used the word serve. Jesus talked a lot about serving. It would be serving others that would be a distinguishing posture of his disciples. Serving is helping. Today what I want us to understand as a church family, to serve somebody is to help them. To serve is to help in any way that you can. Whatever resources you have, whatever abilities you have, whatever talents you have, Whatever time you have, Christ is inviting his followers to use them to help others out of a heart of compassion. Uh, Let me make sure that this is perfectly understood. To help another person is not heroic. You're not being the hero. To help another person is to be Christ-like. You're not a savior when you extend help to another person. What you're doing is being a servant. There's a difference between the heart of a servant and the heart of a savior. Who's come to save people or to, who's come to, to, to be the hero in somebody's life. You're there to help them in all of the humility that we find captured in the example in the life of Jesus. For a servant, the posture of attitude is everything. A servant is full of humility as a reflection of the Jesus that we serve. Listen, any help offered, any help offered that seeks to promote self, look at me, look what I'm doing. Any help offered that's, that's really just out of an obligation of religious duty. Well, they tell me I'm supposed to if I want to be a good Christian. Any help offered that's some effort at virtue signaling is not a help done in the spirit of a servant. Because a true servant, someone with the nature of a servant, they don't do it this way. They do it for one reason. And that is a genuine compassion for people in need you know when i was preparing this message i kind of thought i'd be headed this way i thought i thought i would go in this direction and i sensed the spirit of god taking me in another direction and I'm going to share with you this direction. It would have been a lot more comfortable to share this direction. But I'm going to share that direction. And I hope it helps. The truth be told, there's no end to the needs of people around us we will never be short of opportunities to help people in their personal lives experiencing hurt and pain and loss and brokenness of all kinds every person that you meet i don't care how well they dress themselves up and do their hair and what they drive and the kind of house they live in in fact i've found serving this community for the last 26 years I have found that the fancier the house, oftentimes the deeper the brokenness. <clears throat> Everybody you lay eyes on, they're hurting in some way. It could be their marriage. It could be a child that's breaking their heart. It could be some enormous concerns about some serious health issues. It could be financial It could be struggling with the guilt of an addiction that they believe keeps them separated from God. And then we could look around with crisis pregnancies, people without enough food to be able to feed their families, people living on the streets without homes. There, there's, there's needs all around us. Opportunities are almost endless Where we could serve to help people. As you came in this morning, we we provided you a a handout of examples of where Sibolo Creek Community Church is offering you opportunities to serve. And this, this is just some of them. This is just some of them. So the direction I was going to go is I was going to emphasize the endless opportunities there are to serve people and to help them. But the direction that I was taken was there's, there's no end to opportunities. Maybe what we're lacking is the compassion. Maybe what we're lacking is the compassion. there's a difference between love and compassion at least how us Americans use the word in American vernacular the word love is generally understood as some sort of feeling or emotion and in biblical vernacular the word love is used as an act something that you do to demonstrate the value of the one that you seek to love compassion is is slightly different compassion is an intense feeling deep down inside of us a genuine concern that moves us to do something to help compassion when it's sincere causes us to make a step in the direction of the pain and the hurt that we've observed you can look at needs you can see needs but if you are not moved to do anything you don't have compassion i don't have compassion And, and what i want us to understand is that it will be next to impossible to follow jesus as one of his disciples if we fail to discover the compassion that jesus had for those in need if our hearts are cold if our hearts are calloused if our hearts are consumed in us and us only then we are missing a vital part of what it means to be like Jesus the apostle Paul warned the first century church this way he says yeah, if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels if I'm just so so amazing with how I talk about my faith but I have not love I'm just making noise I'm just walking around hitting a clanging cymbal how obnoxious is that if I have the gift of prophecy like I I I understand the deep truths of God and I can proclaim them with courage I can fathom mysteries and I I have all this knowledge about my faith if I have a faith that can move mountains but I don't have love I'm I'm nothing. I'm nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love I gain nothing. So what if the issue isn't that there aren't enough opportunities? What if the issue is I lack the compassion? Because the truth of the matter is, and it's true for me as much as it is for anybody, we can become so consumed in our own concerns, our own needs, our own ambitions, our own agenda, that we, we literally isolate ourselves from the awareness of the needs of others charlotte and i raised two boys in this community and we often talked with our boys when they were young about the bubble that we lived in trying to help them understand boys we live in a very unique part of the world not many children enjoy what you enjoy it's a bubble it's not real there are needs deep needs of brokenness outside of the luxurious lifestyle that we might enjoy in our immediate community so we worked really hard as parents to help pull our kids out of the bubble so that they could see the needs of others around them. We 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 isolate our lives from the real hurts of those around us. So I have a suggestion. I offer it to you as a pastor. If you find that maybe your compassion is is wearing thin, there's something you can do. All I'm asking you is to do is to listen. You, you choose what you do in response. But if, if you've become isolated from the inconvenience and the discomfort and the responsibility of helping others around you, I'm going to make this suggestion move toward the needs of others start somewhere make a step in the direction of somebody who has a deep need in their life intentionally place yourself right in the middle of somebody else's pain Look them in the eye, rub shoulders with them, be in their company, experience their situation, immerse yourself in their pain until you find a cold, callous heart starting to warm up again to the genuine compassion of their need. Make a move. It's the old challenge of stepping outside of your comfort zone. Do something different. Do something that you wouldn't think you'd otherwise do and I'll just say this again from an experience of 26 years living in this community be careful be very careful of just sending money as your only involvement listen carefully I didn't say you can't give If that's one of the ways that God has blessed you and you have the resources to share, then I'd say share generously. But what I'm warning you against, if financial assistance is honestly the way that you just insulate yourself from becoming directly involved, from getting your hands dirty with the needs of others, then I'd say confront that head on, be honest to yourself And find a way to where your dollars aren't the way that you serve. It's you that serves. In a real place of need. And our community and our church abounds with opportunities. Does that make sense? Now here's the deal. This is the way it's always worked at Sybil Creek. I can get all wound up about something. But I can't make you do anything. And I I certainly can't give you a heart of compassion. Only God can do that work in you. So here's what I'd say. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to step toward God and honestly invite Him to do a work in your heart that if it's become cold... If it's become calloused, if you've rationalized away any direct involvement in real pain in people's lives, would you submit yourself to prayer to ask him to show you that and to do a work that might take off the thaw and warm your heart up again? Would you be willing to do that right now? So as we close, I I just, I want to invite you to bow your head. This is just you time right now. What would your prayer sound like if you, if you asked God for a heart of compassion to help others? Our Father in heaven, I I could be sitting in these seats just like anybody else in the room. This message is as much for me as it is for anybody else. So, Father, we are a group of Christians with our heads bowed, our hearts humbled asking ourselves do i have the compassion that jesus had for those that he encountered and if not what am i willing to do about it father i pray that you'll take your word That you'll take the example of jesus that we've looked at today and that through your spirit you would do a work in our hearts and our minds that we'd be honest before you and we pray we pray that you would ignite a heart of compassion in the life of this church that would be unmatched And that that compassion would compel us to step toward the needs of others and serve in any way that we might be equipped to help in any way that we can with the genuine heart of a servant. Just like Jesus, our rabbi, called us to be. And I pray and ask this in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.